Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other hosts. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. All right, happy Monday morning. It's a back-to-school Monday morning here in South Florida. It's Chad Wilson. It's Amo Calamino. Uh, if I sound energized, that's probably what it has to do with. It's back-to-school time, and I feel free, Amo. I don't know about you, but <laughs> not like I'm... I got a house full of kids. I'm down to one, and uh, but, hey, there's a certain amount of freedom um, you feel when it's back-to-school time. One of the best. I'm a little past best. those days. I have one going to college, uh, so you know that's. Well, it's back to school for for that one. Yeah, so, it's back. She's she's back to school, but I don't feel as free. You know what I mean? When they get yeah, to that age. I mean, <laughs> yeah. For those who don't have kids in school, it really just boils down to a whole bunch of school zones and traffic. So you're pissed, but the parents are a little bit happy. So uh, that's where we are this morning. I don't know uh, what the start dates are for the rest of the country. I think it starts a little later up north in those uh, wintry-type places. But uh, it's back-to-school day here in South Florida. And uh, football season is around the corner. We've been a little sporadic with the shows. We're back on our regular schedule, so we're here today to talk about a number of things. Emil, coming up on the show today, um, I don't know. I grew up liking Lee Majors. Probably 1% of our audience maybe will know who the hell that is. But he was known as the fall guy, and that's who Chris Carter says you need to have riding with you. Whenever you're in the national, oh jeez, I thought you were going. I thought you were going back to the Bionic Man. No, not the Bionic Man. Because he was the Bionic Man too. You should have a Bionic Man if you have a fall guy. (laughs) Man, listen, talking about back to school, I was nothing without that Bionic Man lunchbox going to school. Like if I left that thing, um, I was doing no work that day. Oh, you were ruined. Hey, you know, oh, by the way, you should have, before you even go into the show, you should have a programming note. We will be doing this show, each of us, if we live that long, until we're 80, based on the stock market this morning. So anybody who's, you know, been paying attention, it opened down about 1,000 points. So if you had any plans of retiring, uh, you can put those aside. It's all, it's all being sucked up. But, I mean, not to sound like a broker here, but if you're close to retirement age and you got all your money in the stock market, well, well, let me tell you, that was a bad move, especially on this day, but nevertheless. For the yeah, I had a bad weekend, I think, generally. You know, with, with that today and then, you know, my team got no hit on Saturday by some guy named Mike Fires, who threw his first complete game in his career, happened to be a no-hitter, and he's 30 years old, and... uh you know, then they choked up a lead in the ninth yesterday after Kershaw pitches normally stellar game. So, I mean, I had a tough weekend, and this is just like a kick in the groin to start the day. Yeah, yeah, it's give back day in the uh, it's give back day in the stock market. Hey, Amo, I've got this question that I want to put out there to you and to our audience who could call. By the way, the number is three four seven six three three nine three six five. Okay, I got late instruction today because I'm a guy and I need to be told these things to take a picture of the young one before he goes to school today. I failed to do this. So, 
uh, what are my options here? Do I call her and say, hey, you know, uh, didn't no. take that picture? No. You're at school with him. Do Can you go take the picture? Or B, do I have the young one pose up in front of the door tomorrow before she comes out and act like that was the first day pick? What are my choices? No, because she's going to ask you for the picture when she gets home today. So you can't do I'm that. Just, I don't know. I could. I don't know. I could fumble. No, here's what you got to do. Subject. You got to stage the whole thing. He comes home from school. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you you get him somewhere in the house. You you don't go outside because she'll be able to tell by sunlight and stuff like that. She. Yeah. I know your wife. She's smart. So mm-hmm. you stage him somewhere in the house and take the picture. <laughs> I mean, it's the same day. It's the day he started. It's not like you're lying. It's just not exactly before he started. True. Here's my here, here's my d- little dilemma, and we'll touch on this a little later. He's in a leg brace after ACL surgery, so the and he's likely to come home in uh, some athletic gear. Getting him out of that, back in the school clothes. That could be quite the production here. I don't know. I got a little dilemma. I got something to kick around. Yeah, you you, you got big problems. <laughs> I mean, damn the stock market. I've got this whole I didn't take. You got big problems, but not nearly the problems that the Green Bay Packers have this morning. Oh, my God. You know, that's something we obviously need to get into. Emil and I are going to debate the whole, uh, you know, is the preseason too long deal. We'll be talking about that. Our top five today is the top five most overrated players in the National Football League. Uh, again, we'll touch on the Chris Carter deal. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, got a hold of some drink this weekend, which is not in and of itself a bad thing, but he got a hold of some drink and then stood up in front of some people and uh, spoke like he was on that drink. And that is in That didn't go well. For himself and USC. Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about that. And a whole bunch more on today's show. Uh, which, which one of these things do we want to start off with here? Well, we we might as well start off, I would say, with, with what was probably on most NFL fans' minds this morning. I know when I watch a preseason game, I'm looking for one thing. I pray to God anybody that's going to matter during the season does not go down with an injury. That's all I care about. I don't even know why they play for preseason games. I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, um. I don't know, Emil. I, I'm I'm on the other side of this thing. What's wrong with the four preseason games? Let's just start with that. What's wrong with the four preseason games? Well, let's go back 30 and 40 years when they started this. But they used to play six preseason games. That's when the season was 12, 12 games long back in the 60s. Uh, the money was not what it was today. Many of these guys had jobs in the offseason. They came home like every other guy in America, mm-hmm. sat down, had dinner, had their roast beef, their pizza, whatever they're going to have, drank some beer, watched the news, came in with a beer gut, and they needed training camp. So, right. you know, you're in a different time here now. I know you're, you'll probably go in the direction of young guys, and I, I, I understand that, but let's be honest. These coaches come to camp. They could pick at least 43, maybe 45 of the 53-man roster before they even start training camp barring injuries. Okay, So you're really talking about the bottom of the roster on most of these teams. You're, you're not talking about you know, who's going to be on my – if you're talking about who's going to be on your offensive line in training camp or your defensive line, uh, you probably got bigger issues than the injuries. So where I'm going with this is you, you probably need two games, real games, where – the starters can kick the rust off for one of them for a half like they do, and then you get the young guys can battle for the other game and a half for spots. But four is nothing more than the owners selling season ticket packages because you have to buy those two 
preseason games if you're a season ticket holder. Well, I get all that, but what's your major concern now with the fact that there is four preseason games? As it, as it Live contact will always produce more. I mean, granted, you can get hurt in practice. As a Cowboy fan, we saw Sean Lee go down in May in, in, in uh, you know, whatever camp that was. They have 17 camps, which is to my point. Okay, they're always in camp. That's a year-round sport. Um, but in live contact, you definitely are going to get more injuries hitting someone else than hitting yourselves. I mean, it just the way it is. Well, obviously, um, you know, I'm I'm I've taken more of an interest in ACL injuries uh, due to my um, present situation. And for those of you who have, uh, are not aware, I have a son that was entering. He's entering in his junior year of high school. Um, he suffered an ACL injury and is going to miss his junior year on the field. So I've been paying, obviously, a lot more attention. And it's hard not to, uh, whether this injury happened or not, because it, you know there have been quite a few ACL injuries here this season. And I, I suppose that is where we're, we're talking about, the fact that there are all these ACL injuries that seem to be happening. Off the top of your head, outside of these three that have occurred here in this past week, can you tell me uh, – the other ones that have occurred, do you remember them? No, no, and I'm not just talking, well, maybe to your point, you've got ACL on, on your mind, and I don't blame you, but, I mean, there's more. I mean, you've got pounds. Well, those are, the, those, those, are the most, those are the most crippling ones. Well, uh, Pouncey from the Steelers broke an ankle yesterday, the starting center. He's down 10 to 12 weeks with ankle surgery, mm-hmm. so you're looking at at least, you know, this guy's going to miss half the season or it's not more i i guess we're you know my concern generally speaking is i don't want to lose a guy if i can avoid it in a game that just totally doesn't matter that's hard to swallow it could happen Mm -hmm. in week one and that's fine at least the game counted that's football Mm -hmm. i mean guys get hurt in football i get that Mm -hmm. but but this whole preseason it started i mean i don't know when when most teams went to camp i know i follow my team they went like the july 27th or something so you're talking six weeks First game is September thirteenth. We really need six weeks of this crap. Um, I'm, I'm one. I'm leaning towards we do need the the preseason. And I'll say this: it, I think the rookies need those four games. I'll give you one example. Uh, um, how about a guy like a Terrell Davis? Uh, man, Terrell Davis with two preseason games back then would have been cut. We'd have never known who Terrell Davis is, was, can be. These things may not have been accomplished. Um, so sometimes, you know, through a couple of preseason games, a guy just really hasn't had an opportunity to show something. And uh, just off something like running down on a kickoff in the third game or the fourth game, a guy is able to show something and he's able to be picked up. If you, the fans out there, want to be mad at something, uh, what I think has changed since the time we were kids uh, with regards to prepping for the season, it's all the OTAs and the offseason stuff. Uh, I think that's been the biggest change. It's too much of that. You know, one mini camp, uh, maybe you do that right after the draft, and then you have your, your training camp. And then, you know, really that needs to be it. Uh, I, well, that's I a fair point. And if you want to go that direction, you know, maybe you can convince me then that you need the preseason. What I'm saying is you can't have both. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. have – first of all, as a fan, and we do it, you know, a, a football talk show, I'm mm-hmm. footballed out as a fan during the summer because it's like they never stop. And if I feel like they never stop, how do you think these guys feel that are actually doing it? No, I, I yeah, yeah, I agree. You can't have both. You know, you definitely yeah, if you, you want to if you want to go your direction, then I can be sold that hey, let's cut let's cut out this crap. You know, you have a rookie mini camp and maybe one with the veterans and then you're done. These if you go look at when the season ends, the Super Bowl ends, 
they get a few weeks off, and then they're hard into the, the strength and conditioning program, which you need. Mm-hmm. Then they then they start with the rookie mini camps after the draft. Then they have a, a mini mini camp, whatever that is, you know, when the veterans come. And then they have another mini camp, and you're like, well, wait. If that's and the think case, about these think about these rookies because you know some of these injuries are happening to the rookies, and we uh, probably need to do some research on it. But a rookie coming out um, has to go through the treacherous preparation for the 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 combine. Uh, putting their body through probably stuff they've never put it through before because it's the most important test of their life. Uh, so they're training like crazy up until that combine. And then the combine's over. They definitely want to be ready for that first mini camp and then all of the ones after that. So not only is it the mini camp, it's all the training that needs to go on in between there because, you know, you're 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 fighting for your, your check, your football life and all that. And, you know, your legs just really don't get a rest. So... Um, no, yeah, exactly. And there's far too much and everything else. As a fan, too, you, you know, I, I listen to fans that actually lament this stuff, and, and I was kind of being facetious, but I wasn't. That's the only thing I watch in the preseason. Seriously, I've learned mm-hmm. through experience that the results are relatively meaningless. And I don't know if you know. I don't know the Dolphins' typical preseason because I don't follow them. They're your home team down there. Uh, I do know a great story Jimmy Johnson told once about the Cowboys. He was 1989. Uh, they had won the Governor's Cup, I believe, where they played the Oilers. And they had gotten 3-1 in the preseason. He's jogging off the field. Jones meets him. You know, they're running into the tunnel. And Jimmy says, I turned to Jerry and said, you know, maybe we're not as bad as I thought we were. He said, we went 1-15. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his yeah, point was. Listen, let me, tell you, but let me tell you how the preseason works. I'm going to break this down. let Uncle Chad, break this down for you. If you're a team that was doing a whole lot of losing last football season, the preseason means something to you because as a coach, you're trying to develop some kind of a winning attitude and mentality. So you're going to go get yourself some false little victories in the preseason. You know, if you're the Cleveland Browns or one of these type franchises that don't win much during a regular season, you're trying to create a winning atmosphere. So you're the team that's going to go out there and win these preseason games. The rest of everyone else is trying to do uh, what – we're talking about here, and that's not get anyone hurt. That's the primary goal for all these other teams, especially the ones at the top, your Seattles and your, you know, your Green Bays and your New Englands of the world. Um, let's get out of these preseason games without getting anyone injured. That mission not accomplished in Green Bay, by the way. Obviously, no, they they failed to do so. Uh, and and let me tell you something. The one, the the real thing that's concerning me are the ACL injuries because. Those, a good majority of them, are the non-contact injuries. What happened to Pouncey Amel is football. There's going to be contact. Um, Guys are going to fall on your legs if you're on the offensive line. That could have happened in this second preseason game, or it could have happened in week one. It's Mm -hmm. when I see a guy running a route like Kelvin Benjamin, not really touched on the play, plants his foot to go break on a dig route, and his legs, you know, and his ACL snaps, those are the ones that, bother me because I feel like those can be somehow avoided um, if these guys could, you know, just get some rest and not be out taking a pounding on their knees like that. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you're straining ligaments. You're, you know, you've got guys today. I mean, the, the one thing that we can grow the body, the bones, the muscles, we can get bigger, but you can't change the ligament structure. So, you know, you take a guy like him, whatever he is, 6'5", 240, Running down there four 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 five, you know, you don't get a rest. I have to believe, and I'm, you know, obviously not a doctor, nor do I play one on the radio, but I have mm-hmm. to believe there's something too that these ligaments are are you know strained and stressed from year-round use, 
and that they they just like anything else they go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, and to be honest with you, sometimes making those uh, muscles stronger put more stress on the ligaments. You know, so um, you know we're not doctors here. We're not even trying to pretend that we're doctors. Uh, none of none of us slept at a hospital. Well, I'd love, you know, one of these years, the show, we get into the season, you know, we get more and more listeners. I'd love to, you know, we get some interesting callers, but I'd love to have a doctor, an orthopedic guy, if they ever happen to be I definitely, I'm, I would definitely like to look along those lines, too, of having someone on here could really explain this to us, because, you know, Emil, uh, it's not just happening um, at the NFL level. It's ha- The ACL injuries are happening at the college level. It's happening at the high school level. Um, and you're seeing younger kids have them. There used to be a time where a kid, 16 years old like my son, um, would break a bone before they tore a ligament. Now, you know, ligaments are getting torn, and he's not the only one around here locally that this has happened to. It's happened to a couple of kids. Uh, that well, the good day. side of that, though, is and if there is a good side, they fix them like oil changes anymore in your car. It's not good for they the guy. They do, because back do. in my day, uh, it was really questionable if you were playing football again, if you suffered an ACL injury, and not to mention the big old uh you know turnpike size zipper you were going to have on your knee uh after doing that and you know all the complications that came later right now you know they 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 go in there and um it's in and out it's an outpatient um you know surgery now so yeah they've gotten better at it and i don't know if getting better if getting better at it probably means you're going to get more of these things uh it's hey it's i got one for you before we go to break cuz i know you got to pay some bills um, mm-hmm. Our favorite punching bag in the NFL, who will will come up later in the show, I have a feeling, in a different section. I'm reading an article, or I saw, I read an article, Phil Sheridan, I guess, is the ESPN beat writer for the Eagles. He said, Chip Kelly's makeover looks really good at the midway point. At the midway point of what? The preseason? What, the, the, the preseason that people kind of want to banish? because I mean, I mean midway point, irrelevant. the guy's running his goofy offense. These teams are not even game planning. So, yeah, it's like you always say with the Baylor thing. When Baylor plays Sam Houston State, Hank 73 on them, it looks great. Well, in the NFL, you run that kind of offense. I'm, I don't doubt that if your quarterback's accurate, you're going to put up a lot of points because they are not game planning for it. Yeah, it's ridiculous when uh, people want to make a big deal out of this. I've seen this in college football, and actually I've been going on Twitter rants about it. Uh, These bloggers get to go and these media people get to go to the first 15 minutes of a practice, and uh, from those first 15 minutes of practice, they're already calling the winners of the uh, position battles. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. But um, anything for the clicks, and that's the way things go. All right, we we do need to hit a break. When we get back... uh, the show The Fall Guy with Lee Majors, pretty popular back in our day, in the 80s. Not so popular with the NFL right now. We'll discuss the craziness of that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your head. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. 
FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs. Do it now! Ten twenty one here on a back to school Monday. It's football season. It's Chad Wilson, it's Emil Calamino and you know, we're here to talk about a number of things. Uh, one guy that the NFL doesn't want talking to their rookies anymore is Chris Carter. He's a very opinionated, uh, what do we want to call here? A, a very opinionated individual, someone who I've had a chance to meet on a number of occasions. Yeah, he's paid, but he's paid it. to give opinions. I mean, you know, he's opinionated. He is. Yes, we should, I don't you know. know what he was paid uh, <laughs> to talk <laughs> at the rookie symposium. I have a feeling that check might bounce on him. Um, not quite what they're ex- expecting, uh, apparently. Chris, you know, meaning well, meaning well, and I-, I would, you know, love to hear from him on what his reasoning was behind it. I think I may have an idea, but I certainly don't want to put any words in his mouth. A big deal is being made out of his suggestion to the rookies that you find yourself a fall guy for when you get into trouble. I guess Chris has come to the uh, realization that for all I could talk till I'm blue in the face around here about you, you guys staying out of trouble, but the truth of the matter is is that we've got 21 and 22 year old millionaires who are uh, going to find it damn near impossible to keep themselves out of trouble. Either a because the temptation's there to actually do things, or b when you have money like that, people come after you, and even though you may not have done anything, they're going to put you into something. So with that being the realization. For Chris Carter, he said, let me take a different route, and if if and when you do find yourself in trouble, you need to find yourself a Lee Majors fall guy, somebody that's going to take the rap for you, that's going to say that was my bag of weed, my liquor, that was me in the room with that girl, all that good stuff, all the stuff that goes on. Your thoughts on that, Mr. Calamina? Well, I mean, do you think maybe that perhaps he was, I don't know, maybe kind of a little bit of tongue-in-cheeking it, or no? Do you think he was dead serious? Um, knowing Chris Carter, uh, no, not tongue in cheek in it. This is what you need to do, hmm. especially in that setting. Um, and it's pro- it's not really a place to to joke around. You know, you do crack some jokes along the lines there just to get guys' attention. But I don't think that this is how this went. Um, and since it was done in person, there's no way Chris could say he was hacked. He said this live. So, well, you know, I mean, I think part of it is he used some words in there, too. 
I said, well, when you have a crew and all this stuff, maybe the advice you should have been giving them is why do you have a crew? People are going to be leeching on to you, looking to, you know, get at the money you're making. Yeah. You think that might have been better advice? What, not have a crew? Um, yeah. I you listen, I used to be one like, man, why the hell do you have all these guys around you? But you know what, man? When you got all that money and you're going out places, um, you're a little leery of going out alone. You do want to have people around you in case something quote unquote pops off. You know, if you want to go to a club, um guys are getting robbed now. Guys do get robbed. Um, you want to have some guys around you. That's that's number one. Number two is um a lot of these guys grow up with guys around them and a lot of the talk before you make it is man don't switch up on us when you you know when you hit it in the big time remember what we did and maybe a guy gave him a ride here maybe a guy was a fall guy for him back in high school i don't know there are a number of reasons why uh, a certain group of guys would be around you again maybe you do go out with not all your jewelry on around your neck maybe you don't go flashing a whole bunch of money but that's the talk of a 43 year old yeah, uh, but I wait remember. a second. Time out. Time out here. I got to call time out. You're hanging around with 53 other guys who are in the same situation as you. You can't find four or five of them to go out with. Um, are these your guys, though? You know what I mean? You had guys you grew up with since you were, you know, 13, 10, 14, 15. I don't know. I don't know if the guy in my locker room who I just met is the guy that I'm going to feel the most comfortable with when I go out. And well, again, then, okay, then I'll say this, and I understand that. I understand that because we all have our friends, and our friends are our friends. But can I say maybe choose your friends wisely? Uh, Well, okay, yeah, but can you really choose your friends? And I'm I'm speaking for these guys. Can you choose your friends at that point? I've had a guy, I've had some guys that's been with me since they were 14. Now I'm 21, 22-year-old NFL football player. Can I really choose my friends? These are my friends. Well, Maybe at 14 they weren't so bad, but over the years some things have happened so, and things didn't really go their way in life. And, and you know now they've chosen uh, a different path, but they're still my friends. Well, you might them. not like you might not like this. You might we might, but I mean if if my friend Bobby just did two years in jail for whatever, we'll pick something bad. Uh, mm. heroin distribution or something, I might want to say, well, mm. Bobby, I like you, but you can't hang around with me because I have a job here and it could hurt my career because that happens in all facets of life, not just in the NFL. you got to say to yourself, hmm, probably not good. If you're you know, a journalist, let's say, for ABC, you might not want to have a friend like that, right? No, um, and if those are the kind of decisions that you're 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 making, if you can't turn a guy like that loose, then you know you're probably not long for the league, or you're not long for for having money anyway. Um, but they aren't always that obvious. No, I understand. I'm giving you the, the 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 sublime example just because I think they're not as obvious. But you do find like some of these guys get in trouble and then when the, when the story comes out i mean there's some really questionable characters with them it's not like some guy they hung with since high school that just you know got a little drunk and got in a fight you're sitting there going what's he doing with that guy yeah um yeah so it's not it's not always do you agree with chris carter i know you guys are going to get in trouble when you do this is probably let's not let me not sit up here and come up here like the last 10 guys or 15 guys that came up in the rookie symposium and tried to tell you to stay out of trouble, this, that, and the other. Let me take a different route. Let me tell you what you need to do. 
when you do get in trouble? Um, no, I mean, I, well, listen, I'm not saying it's bad street advice. I mean, you know, street smart, yeah, he's probably right. But, you know, they are they are asking you as someone that's held in high regard by 21- and 22-year-old kids, and that's what they are at that age. They're kids. They might look like grown men, but they're kids. They think like kids. They're impressionable. They're kids. You're an NFL Hall of Famer. You come up there yeah. and say that, that's not good. No, no. This ties into our story later about about a certain <laughs> drunk guy, and it's the same same thing I'm going with. I mean, you know, they're asking Carter to, you know, try to change a few hearts and minds, and he might not get them all, and he probably won't. He definitely won't get them all, but he could get a few. And true, and you're just trying to grab those guys because listen, I, I've I've gone to a rookie symposium, believe it or not. I went to one, and uh, been in a room during the talk from the former guy, um, and eh, 50% of the room is paying attention. Um, maybe 30% of the room is really listening. Maybe 15% takes the advice. So, But you're um, shooting I, for the 15% because hopefully that, you know, they're the ones you, you save the ones you can save. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't save uh, everybody. True. Um, so I just don't and, think it's you know I think he probably regrets it. I think it. he just tried to go he just tried to go a different route, man. And Chris Carter does what Chris Carter wants, you know. With it, I you know I went to uh, an Ohio State satellite camp this summer that was done in conjunction with FAU, and you know you brought all the kids up, 600 plus by the way, uh, at this camp. And you know Urban Meyer speaks to the kids, and then Chris Carter, who's an Ohio State alum and lives in South Florida, is there. Um, so you have him bring him up and. And talk, and he gave a pretty powerful message, but dropped a couple f bombs with parents um, in a, in attendance listening, and the kids there that uh, drew a couple of gasps um, from from the crowd. Um, so yeah. I just say that to tell you that you know Chris is going to say what Chris is going to say. So you know, and I understand that, but I just think that he probably I would bet you if you could get him alone, and he might say this. I think he said it publicly. I think he regrets, uh, you know go in that direction uh probably and if he if he doesn't now he will soon because it doesn't look like anyone but you know what such is our news cycle today because i was going off a little bit about the next topic that we're going to talk about um having to do with usc and steve sarkeesian like hey these guys need some other scandal to pop up uh, and the bad thing about our news cycle is that uh, or our media today is that they will grab anything and everything and and just blow it up to the biggest and the best and make a big deal out of anything. That's the bad part. The good thing about that is there's always tomorrow and there's another something that's going to come along. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is going away, and so is the next story. I mean, it, you know, before you know it, within a few days, somebody else will do something equal <laughs> equal to or worse. Yeah, all you got to do, and you know what? I really, really paid attention to this during the Bush administration, the most recent one, mm-hmm. um, is when stuff went down that didn't look too good for for George. Um, man, they'd they'd sit on it and wait it out and wait for something else to happen, and they did that to perfection, and that's probably the route a lot of people need to take. Bill sure. Cosby tried that. It's just the chicks kept coming. <laughs> <laughs> they wait a week and be like, I'm like 42 at this point. 
I, I mean, there were more stories than Jello pudding pops, you know, coming up everywhere, how, and he just couldn't I made away. you laugh with that, with that, what is it, a, a me, the meme I did on the weekend? I, I made you laugh, didn't I? <laughs> oh, man, there have been, uh, been a ton of them, but yes. But I, I did that I one did myself. Oh, man, why didn't I just pay for it? <laughs> oh, was that you? I thought yeah. you were copying that. Look at no. you getting all digital and jumping into the into the meme sweepstakes. Uh, that was a good one. He probably should have just, you know, freaking paid for it. Um, he wouldn't be paying for it now, that's for sure. So uh, that's the story there. You know, I don't know. Maybe Chris Carter gives that kind of advice. Personally, not the advice I'd give, uh, not to sound like Johnny, you know, um, um, goody two-shoes here, but uh, maybe advice you probably give off to the side and not, not on the mic in front of a camera and, you know, in the presence of the yeah. NFL Yeah, no, that was a bad choice. He made a bad choice. Now. He made a bad choice there. Yeah. yeah like our next guy who made a really bad choice. Yeah, Chris Carter ran the wrong route, um, and uh, Steve Sarkeesian called the wrong play. We'll talk about that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. The 7 on 7 season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, put any wording you want, print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Um, anytime yeah, you guys yeah, throw yeah, yeah. together, we gotta call us the Illuminati. Whenever you see the G, it represents God in geometry. That's what it stands for. I'm gonna take you deeper though. Now I'm just with you. Hey, Scott, I'm just with you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> 
the ghost on the phone with Jula. My new daddy. We're back on the Gridiron Stud Show, Monday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino here for you. Uh, just brushing up on our uh, college and NFL football and all that good stuff. Um, we had some rankings come out, man, and we love rankings, don't we? We, we love, we love rankings. And, uh, we rank rankings everything. Rule the, yeah, rankings rule the world. I, I, I remember a... Uh, an interview being done down here locally with Larry Zonka, and uh, the on-air personality was asking him to rank, uh, I don't know, his top moments in his career, blah, 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 and Larry Zonka lost it on him as, you know, Larry Zonka can. He says, Scott, you just got to have it ranked, don't you? You need to rank everything, and I just couldn't stop laughing. I mean, how could you rank something like that? Like, let me sit here and ponder my entire life and start ranking the moments in it. Hmm. Yeah, like un- totally unprepared. I'm going to come up here and drop this on you so I could do something like forget the uh, perfect season or, you know, something like that and then, you know, you guys tear me apart for that. You know, that's that's kind of how they they go at you. Nevertheless, uh not going to go through the whole rankings here, but let's talk about what the AP said were the top 10 teams. Uh Florida State, who's been uh, the much most talked about team over the last 2 or 3 years or at least during the Jameis Winston era is uh, your number 10 team in the country. Number nine is everyone's favorite to uh, at least win the SEC East this year and possibly the entire SEC is the Georgia Bulldogs. Number eight are your boys down there in Tinseltown. It's the USC Trojans. More on them in a minute. And our drunk number coach. Six, yeah. Number seven <laughs> is uh, are your Oregon Ducks minus the uh, Hawaiian sensation. Uh, Marcus Mariota, who was on TV last night playing for the uh, Tennessee Titans. Um, with a bunch of no-names, by the way. Number six, your Auburn Tigers. People expecting a lot of things from uh, Auburn this year because of the addition of Will Muschamp, I guess. I mean, they are they did lose their quarterback and their running back. Will has um, no idea he's going to be defending 100 plays a game, but he'll find that out soon enough. Uh, Will knows. Uh, we, we had a chance to discuss it this summer, but um, that is up for the challenge, I guess. Number five is Michigan State. Um you know, one of listen. Everyone was down. It wasn't too long ago, Emil, where everyone was taking a complete piss on the uh, Big Ten, and here they are with two in the top ten. Uh, one of them being Michigan State. Number four are your Baylor Bears, who've been uh, in a little bit of controversy recently um, over a player that <laughs> is like a <laughs> bastard child. Yeah. Uh, that each side is not trying to claim uh, any kind of responsibility for. Uh, they're in at number four. Number three is your ever-present Alabama Crimson Tide, who have been a stalwart, uh, a pr- pretty much a statue in the top ten since Nick Saban arrived on campus. Number two, one of your crybabies from the Big 12 last year. Am I being a dick for saying that? Um, it is. Can you, oh, we can say dick. That's right. Yeah, I, I like I that. Say it. I, yeah. I can and I did say it. Uh, your TCU Horned Frogs are number two in the country. A lot of people, including myself, expecting big things from uh, the purple people leaders over there in uh, Texas. And uh, number one, which should come as no surprise to anyone, claiming uh, 61 votes out of the AP for number one, are your Ohio State, the Ohio State Buckeyes, um, who have every right to be there, Emil. I can't think of any no, reason you can't why argue that, but preseason you, number Here's one. what I glean a little bit from this poll in that this. There's 25 teams obviously ranked top 25, so mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. nothing gets by me. Um, there you go. Thank you. You are all on top of Big 10 and Big 12. 
uh, top-heavy and maybe the beneficiaries of the fact that their conferences aren't very good because they each have two of the top five teams in the Big Ten and Big 12. But here's what really strikes out is the overall respect still given to the SEC and Pac-12. As the SEC placed eight teams in the poll, the Pac-12 placed six. For those of you not good at math, that's over 50% of the SEC is ranked and exactly 50% of the Pac-12 is ranked. So, you know, you sit here and you look at the rest of this and you say, well, Ohio State, Michigan say, well, maybe they should be ranked highly because, you know what, there's really no one else in their conference ranked. I mean, I see Wisconsin down at 20. Um, I'm looking for someone else. Oklahoma's at 19 from the Big 12. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, you know, they may be also, besides being good football teams, and they are, uh, the beneficiary of not having to run. Well, a very whoa, real quick, give me those. Give me those numbers. Give me those numbers again. How many SEC teams ranked in the Eight. top twenty-five? Eight. How many Pac-12? Six. Six Pac-12. And uh, what 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 do we have for the Big Ten? I'm trying to add it up yeah. quick on the fly because as I was. Uh, well, while I, you're I, doing that, let me let me give you the numbers for the top for the uh, top ten. Uh, for those who didn't put that together rather quickly. Uh, SEC leading the way with three, Georgia, Alabama, and uh, Auburn. Auburn. And uh, your Pac-12's got SC and Oregon with two. Big 12 also has two, TCU and uh, Baylor. Big uh, Big 10 has two, Ohio State, Michigan State, and the ACC got one with Florida State. So that's, your, that's the creme de la creme, the top 10, which is what everyone is really uh, most – you know, caught up with that's that's how things shake out in that top ten. You know, you can queue up the whole stories of the of the uh, SEC bias right now. There'll be people who will ask why uh, why is Auburn and Georgia in there? Well, you have me here for a reason, and it's math. So we've got eight in the SEC, we've got six in the Pac-12, we've got three from the Big Ten, three from the ACC, three from the Big Twelve, an independent in Notre Dame, and Boise State from whatever hell conference they call home these days. So there you go. And that's that's your top twenty-five. Yep, that's your composition. Oh man, okay. And how many independents did you say again? One Notre Dame. One and big Notre Dame. It'd be interesting to see uh, where they finish. All right, your boys. They're uh, number eight in the country, and uh, everything flowing smoothly. They continue to kill it in the whole recruiting rankings thing. Uh, everything's going fine. Adoree Jackson's been moved to offense. He looks like he's going to be unstoppable. Amarn Marshall has looked apart, and you got Juju Smith, and you've got Kessler ready to throw seven touchdowns a game. Everything's flowing fine out there in USC, and then you have this weekend. Head coach Steve Sarkeesian shows up to uh, a banquet benefit. Wait, wait, let me set it up, though, because I don't know. We have to give people the context of the magnitude of this, okay? USC has a salute to Troy Every year, and that basically is the kickoff to the season. It's where you big money donors come in, the guys that matter, that support the sports program, come in. There's 2,500 people. There's the entire team. You know, they got the band. You got the song girls. You, you got these donors. You got mom and dad. Everybody's there. Okay, so now set it up. Go from there. 2,500 people in the room. Here we go. 2,500 people in the room. Uh, <laughs> that makes this even. They're playing uh, fight on. Conquest is going on in the background. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> okay. Yes, and, and and let me tell you something. That's um that's a very powerful thing when you can get around. Some people listening now have never like heard that actually played in person. I personally have on many occasions. Very powerful. 
by the way. Oh, they're banned, uh, honestly. You, when you go to a game, if I wasn't a USC fan, I mean, it can either annoy the hell out of you or intimidate you because they play that song. I mean, those those few songs that are they're famous for, I mean, they go on for 60 minutes. I mean, yeah, and listen, it, again, very good, um, and and it's motivational. I, I didn't grow up a USC fan. Uh, went out west and then finished high school out west. Wasn't a USC fan, a fan of certain players on the team, but not a USC fan. But, damn, I went to some USC games, and when you hear that thing played, um, you feel like putting on uh, some kind of a you know metal helmet and getting a sword and going and plundering something. Oh, yeah, you don't want to just go hit somebody on a football field. Hell no, you want to be no, like no. Braveheart you, or you, something. You, <laughs> yeah, you want a sword and a horse, and you want to go get some coins from somebody's yeah. ass out there. So that's how you feel. But nevertheless, in a room full of 2,500 people, just anxious to hear what he has to say, uh, you want to hear from the head man, um, Steve Sarkeesian is slurring his speech and, uh, you know, making some uh, poor comments, all born out of drunkenness, which is what Steve Sarkeesian was. Shows up to this event drunk, um, which is a, a problem, a bigger problem. Than well, wait, we don't know he showed up drunk. We think he may have. He, I'm going to guess they, they were serving some drinks to the people. You think he got days. sloshed that quick at this thing? Well... You know, you start sucking back Manhattans, you can get fired pretty quick. I, mean, I don't know what he's drinking. Have we but... heard from Steve on this? Uh, you heard from me. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's been a pre-prepared um, cookie-cutter statement about it, uh, to which we don't have in front of us. I and mean, if you feel free, Emil, to run that down. These are your guys out here. Well, basically, his, pre- his statement was, you know, the old, I'm very sorry, I've embarrassed the university, I've let my team down. Uh, athletic director Pat Hayden has spoken to me about it, and I assured him it won't happen again. Well, first of all, you can best believe it won't happen again because I'm going to tell you something. Pat Hayden, next to his wife and children, and and John McKay Jr., that's his buddy that also works there. They love USC probably right right behind their wife and kids. Mm-hmm. If if this guy number one did this again, one of them might coach the team this year because he wouldn't be. And number two, oh, listen, Pat Pat has run down on the field before. He did pull a Jerry yeah. Jones Pat's been on the field before, and he did play in the NFL. So I think he might take the headset. And number two, if Sark doesn't win and win pretty big this year, you can best believe he's on thin ice. Okay, when you couple when you couple what might be out there, and we'll get to that. Versus, you know, some of this stuff. You know, Sark's put himself in a tough position here. Yeah, uh, it's. It's it's funny how things can change almost overnight, but uh, definitely not a good look. He did embarrass himself. Maybe this is motivation, okay? Uh, I'm looking at this from a positive standpoint. Uh, I put myself in a little bit of a hole here. Uh, maybe I get myself, you know, I go a little extra mile to get myself out of it and make sure I win myself 10 or 11 games this season. Maybe that's right. a plus here for USC. I don't know how the players feel about it. Um, I, don't, I don't know what... What the effects could be? All right, well, wait, put yourself in as, as a player. You're chuckling. Come on, I we're 18, we're 19 years old. Think about it. Your coach gets up to the podium, right? Mm. Slurring his words, and then he, they're talking. Well, time about out. The, Do players attend this deal? Yes. Do they attend it? Okay. The players are there. 
okay. they they talk about the road schedule. That's how this came. I, I figured out why he singled out these three teams because Notre Dame, Oregon, and Arizona State are on the road. And could you picture your mm. coach slurring his words, going Notre Dame, Oregon, Arizona State, suck. I could picture a coach with that lying in front of him, wanting to knock back a few drinks. That might make exactly. him want to grab a bottle, but nevertheless. Yeah. Well, could you picture him saying that? You're 18 or 19 years old. You're probably cracking up in that audience. Think Fighting about it. Irish. Uh, and it's funny, you'd bring the Irish up who are known drinkers. Uh, but <laughs> nevertheless. Yeah. yeah, okay, maybe as a player, you're, you laugh at the interim. Okay, at the outset, that's funny. Coach is drunk. I've been there. I was drunk last night. Um, maybe that's your initial reaction to that. But it can go one of two ways. Hey, man, coach is one of us. He's like us. We're going to go balls to the wall. Or I don't know how much respect I got for this guy. What's going to happen when I mess up and do something drunk like, you know, uh, phantomly save a drowning cousin or nephew uh, because I was drunk and I really just jumped out of a window doing something dumb and snapped my ankles? How's this guy going to, you know, tell me I'm suspended from the team when, man, you showed up at the – Hail to the season banquet, slurring your like you know. Well, so. you're right, but I think he can if he's smart, he'll turn this into a positive by you know dressing himself down in front of his team and saying, you know what, I just gave you guys an example of how not to behave in life. Now I don't know if that's what he's going to do. I don't know his personality well enough, but if he's smart, he'll use it as best he can as an example of what not to do, and you know actually berate himself in front of his own team. At least that's how I'd handle it. Yeah, look, it's a it's a delicate situation to say the least. Nevertheless, a uh, little advice for um, you coaches out there: you probably don't want to show up to a team function drunk. It creates a whole bunch of problems, which, uh, in a kind of a weird way, swings us over to this other thing. Wait, wait, wait! Um, You've been. I have a question for you. You've been at these things. I'm sure somehow they kick off something or another at Miami, but. How does he get to the podium drunk? Like, I mean, the AD's there, the assistant, the compliance officer, uh, his wife, I'm assuming, or whatever is significant. Hey, listen, other. man, unless you're tore down, unless you're tore down, which I, I probably he wasn't, just seriously buzzed, you make your way up there, and unless you're falling down, they're going to say, you know, they're going to let you go. You might notice, hey, the guy's eyes are a little red, I and mean, you might want to hang on here. Um you really should have someone ready to cut the guy's mic off. But nevertheless, they just let it go. Even if he stumbles a little bit, it's kind of hard at that point to step in and grab a guy. By, Whoa, wait a minute. Maybe we don't have this talk. And do that in front of 2,500 prying eyes because then that even becomes a yeah, story. Maybe Hayden should have ran up again like he did in the at the Stanford game and said, wait, 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 Oregon doesn't suck, Sark. You, you coached against I would love them. to know. I would love to know if he was in position to kind of see this thing coming. And, Could you and, see? And, and, Sark, and, Oregon doesn't suck. You coached against them five times at Washington and never came within three touchdowns. <laughs> Oh, that's that's when you need to really have a comedian on hand afterwards, man. Like you need a Kevin Hart or a Mike Epps that can grab the mic after that. Oh, Kevin Hart have a field day with that. Oh, my God. Yeah, he'd rip that to pieces. Maybe that's not such a great idea. Who knows? But nevertheless, that's the case. Now, I went on a little bit of a Twitter thing yesterday uh, about uh, about the keys to success in coaching in this in this day and age, and I've I've watched this thing go on. It's where you start off, you get yourself a little, you know, small 
college football gig, whether it's at you know, one of the better 1AA teams that are out there or one of the smaller Division One schools that need a little bit of a turnaround. And sometimes those are the best jobs to get. Like, it can't get any worse when I take over a 2-10 program. So, you know, with a little bit of the basics, especially if I was – you know, tutored, you know, maybe I was an assistant under Nick Saban or Urban Meyer or one of, or Chip Kelly or one of those guys. Um, I could use what I learned there to take over a, a program where they don't do anything right and turn them from 2-10 and 10 into 8-4. and four. Uh, I could do that back-to-back years. Maybe I sneak them in a bowl game, and then immediately I can get myself a pretty good situation in a big-time college football program, do my winning there, and when, I am, when I've maxed out, like I want a national championship there, and I can kind of look down the road and say, I don't know if I'm going to keep – if I'm going to be able to have a dynasty here, let me jump on one of these NFL jobs. I go take the NFL job. It is not necessary for me to have success in this NFL job. In fact, it's probably better if I don't. But I hang around up here for about three years. I camp out here, and then I find – I sit here and wait for the next really good college football situation to open up, and then I jump out of the The league. destination jobs. For those of you who are not regular listeners to the show, last year – Chad and I laid out what we thought were about 10 to 12. It might have been 10, but it might have gone up to 12. Jobs that we think that if you get them in college football, you can basically stay there and be quite happy and content for the rest of your life. Yeah, Texas, Alabama. Uh, Florida, I USC. USC. Yeah, I don't know if USC falls into that. Uh, USC is like a uh, – it's almost like a transient thing to me. You don't want to go there and coach for 20 years. You know, It's, it's hard because you're in L.A. You're tired. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, this a lot of competition there. The Lakers and the Dodgers and everything else. Those kind of towns. I don't know. Nebraska, Oklahoma. Those are your like you can do twenty years there. So those type of jobs open up for you, where you can look at it and say, okay, they've got they've done really well in recruiting. Uh, there's support there. There's boosters. You check out everything and you jump back into that job, a la Nick Saban, a la um, Steve Spurrier, who people might forget about. Went to the Redskins. Didn't really have the greatest time there, um, but saw an opportunity in South Carolina and ran and jumped on it. You know, Lou Holtz did this many, many years ago, went to the Jets, Jets stunk up the joint, came back, and um, really amped up his career as a college football coach and ended up winning a national championship with Notre Dame. And Notre and Dame, Notre I feel like you're saying, like I would put, like we did the best jobs one show, and definitely USC and Notre Dame were on the list. Matter of fact, uh Tim Tebow or one of those guys or the guy from Georgia, whoever works for ESPN, the mm-hmm. kid that played for Georgia, he he listed USC and Texas as the top two jobs in the country. But as far as destination, I hear you. I put Notre Dame in that category. It's a great yeah. job, but it's not a destination. There's too much pressure, too much pressure right. at Notre um, Dame. You, you can't do 20 years at Notre Dame anymore. You know, you really just you can't. Just can't. So, um, but, yes, you you go to the league, you camp out, and you find yourself that next great college opportunity to open up for you. I did mention in my in my Twitter – I don't want to call it a rant because it wasn't really that, but in my Twitter discussion yesterday, uh, I did mention Jimmy Johnson, uh, what I think Jimmy Johnson would have been able to do if he had gone back to college football. But given his success in the NFL and previous success in college football, no reason to do that. Um, after what he did in Dallas and then – Failing to do what he did in Miami, it really was time to head down to the Keys and go, you know, catch some fish and, and live, live live life the way you really want. Well, yes, to do because it. he won big at both levels. I mean, he was not the, and, the guys exactly. you're talking about failed at the second level. Failed. You know. So Pete Carroll doesn't fall into that uh, situation, but we ha- we do have one Chip Kelly 
who is in the league, um, experimenting. I mean, that's that's what he's doing, is it not, Emil? The guy's experimenting, for crying out loud. Yeah. He's experimenting. You know, when I was a kid, my cousin and I would go into the kitchen, and when, you know, grandma or mom were, were not around, they were at church or, you know, took a long time at the grocery, we would grab every ingredient, everything out of all the cabinets and pour it into a bowl just to see what would happen. And uh, it looks a little bit like that's what Chip Kelly is doing here, trying to do things his way. You and I both feel like there's going to be a, a murky end to that. And a part of me thinks Chip Kelly's just doing whatever he wants up there because he knows he's a hot commodity the moment he says he wants to come back to college football. Well, I think we're – wait, wait, wait. Dealers. I think we're both poo-pooing it because, first of all, you come at it from a player-slash-coach perspective and you see some of these principles and you question them. I'm a very analytical type of guy, so I look at things and say, okay, you know, my mind tells me that if you want to run that many plays a game that I've got to defend almost an equal amount, and I just know that over time, as we've talked about on previous shows, that your defense tends to wear down, and if your defense wears down late in the year, you probably are not playing your best football. I'm not basing it on anything other than that. I mean, if it works, I'll be surprised. Oh, I'm talking, no, I'm talking about the roster moves also. Oh, the roster I'm moves about are puzzling. That. Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking on the field stuff, which we've discussed ad nauseum last year about you know facing yes. all those plays, and we you we kicked off this whole show about talking about do we need to reduce the preseason? I mean, does Chip Kelly need to reduce the regular season for his guys? You know, they're going to be they're going to play about 22 games by the time. Well, you're get talking the game just sheer on the ro- on the roster moves. I mean, did you have an opportunity to Google Terrell Suggs? hit on uh, Bradford on the, in the game. No, I, 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 I did not. I didn't have a chance to take a it's look at it. It's not a big deal. Just... I mean, he went read option, and Suggs came in, hit the quarterback, went a little low. I mean, he didn't go, like, right, you know, shoulder to the knee, but he, you know, probably hit him mid-thigh with some, Well, you know, where knee... can you hit a quarterback anyway, by the way, these days? Well, if you can't hit him in the head and you can't hit him in the thigh, basically you're left with about a foot. Of, of body there that you can hit in the center. But uh, the point of it is Bradford acted when this guy hit his knee, okay? Like, you'd swear to God, I saw the guy turn white on TV, okay? Because he's got two – I mean, the knee's been repaired twice, okay? Bradford looked like, like Casper the Friendly Ghost. He was so scared. And after the game, you know, they penalized Suggs, by the way, 15 yards, and, you know, the Eagles were going on. It was a dirty What was hit. the penalty, by the way? What was the penalty? Going low. That, they, they that's a penalty, low. yeah. Uh, that's a penalty on a read option, is it? Well, that's what Suggs' Sugg, point was. Listen, he said, if you're going to run read option, it's not my job to school the coaching staff on the rules. He said, basically, it's like, I'm going to, what he's saying is, I'm going to hit your quarterback. You run read option, I'm going to hit your quarterback. And you and I have mm-hmm. talked about this, and you're, you coach football, you're a defensive coordinator, and I'm telling you right mm-hmm. now, as funny as this sounds, people out there, if the Eagles ran read option on me, and I was coaching against them, my defensive end would be told to hit that quarterback every time in the first quarter. I don't care if you put them in the end zone and we give them seven points, because by the second quarter, they will not run another read option. Not just the Eagles, anyone attempting to do such a thing. So for as much as we love Russell Wilson, when the Seattle Seahawks want to do read option, I'm going to crush Russell Wilson. That's why this thing every lost time. luster really every time. Every, Every time. time. Okay, let Marshawn Lynch go for 60. Um, you're going to have to think twice again before, you know, your 11 million guy gets folded like a love letter off of that play. And tell me, Emil, why, why 
is Sam Bradford running the damn read option. That just lets you know he can't be the guy in Philadelphia. Well, exactly. He's got two to, to a, a knee that not one but twice has been repaired, from what I understand, the same knee on an ACL. So he's obviously probably not a running threat. So where's the threat there? I mean, read option what? I mean, I'm not even honoring the fake. In other words, I'm assuming that he doesn't have the ball. I'm just, I mean, I'm just going gonna, gonna to hit the running back, tackle him. Because he's and not now, running anywhere. No, no, and and listen, is he is is Terrell Suggs trying to have a cheap shot in 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 the preseason? Listen, I don't know what to make. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know what to make of what they're doing there. I mean, I know the Eagles fans are excited. They won a couple preseason games. They scored 40 against the Ravens. They scored 30 some against the Colts. I'm here to tell you, if they're doing that in October, get excited because right now. That doesn't mean anything. I guess we got to talk about this, and it'll probably be the last thing we touch on. I don't know how much you've watched. Um, if you had to guess, does Tim Tebow make that roster? Yeah, because I think the guy's crazy, and he just wants. I mean, I think he just he wants to be outside the box. So to him, it's like, oh, I'm going to show everybody that I can make Tim Tebow an NFL football player. Yeah, that seems to be what everyone is saying about this this whole thing. So. Um, you know, well, I, wait, I, we we were going to touch on where you know you and I both had this idea. I mean, I really see Kelly as a guy whose game is college. I think in college he scares me, in the NFL he makes me chuckle a little bit. I mean, that's the only way I could describe it because I think uh, that pretty, is a really good way. That really is a good way to describe it because that's exactly how I look at well, it. Well, because so. with eighty-five scholarship players at a big-time program, you can do some of this stuff if it's done in a smart way, like he did at Oregon, and you can be successful because. You can rotate, you know, if you have a, a, a really good two deep, you're rotating a lot of your defense in and out. So, yeah, you're facing more plays, but you have a lot of talent. And, I, I mean, it's funny that we had the story break on the weekend with Sark. You know, we both think Kelly, you know, is a good college coach. I mean, I could definitely see him someday flying, you know, back and ended up at USC. Um, and that would be the logical choice because when you go to the league and you follow this pattern that I discussed, um, you're not taking any old job. You're going to take the job you want, and I'd have to think for Chip Kelly, that's either in the SEC or the Pac-12. You're not taking an ACC job where if you lose a game, one game during the season, you're out of the race. Um, I don't know that there's anything in the Big Ten right now that would be appealing because the two most appealing jobs there really are taken, maybe in Michigan State, but that's not Chip Kelly-ish. Um, and he's 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 West Coast. That's what he is. So I would see him most likely going back to the Pac-12. And what job um, is the best job in the Pac-12? It's if 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 not going back to Oregon, it's got to be USC. So, well, and I'm sorry uh, what people say about you know these guys at USC that oh Lane Kiffin he wasn't much of a coach, but man could he recruit or Steve Sarkeesian can recruit. Let me tell you something, I could take a whistle, a clipboard, and my four pound Yorkie on the road, and I'd get some decent players at USC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm honest. Uh, very true. Very true. And with the whole hoopla that would surround a Chip Kelly returning and knowing what he was able to do with athletes at a at a place like Oregon, uh, you can have a ton of people that are going to want to go to USC. It'd be shooting fish in a barrel if this would have happened. Oh, he so, never had the roster that he would have as far as just pure talent. Now, obviously, there's more to winning than just having a lot of talent, but he, on a pure talent basis, 
he would have never had the roster at Oregon that he would get at a USC. No, and and one of his most dynamic players during his time there was a kid from Los Angeles by the name of uh, the Black Mamba. Um, yep. So you know, who Adoree you know, Jackson that, reminds a lot of people of in a lot of different ways, you know. So yeah, he'd get a he'd get a bunch of those um, on his roster. So here we are picking the next USC coach. Wait, can we um, before we go off? Do can we? Can we? I, I took the time to do this. Come on, man. I want to. I want to go through the five most overrated NFL players. Well, I tell you what, I don't have that list, but I'm gonna let you be the fall guy on this one. Uh, how, okay, how but I'm, how okay, yeah, you can, I'll be the fall guy, and then maybe Friday. I'll comment you can, on. I'll comment on them, and I might throw. I might throw one or two in there to your. Okay, list. and you, you can, can tear me a new one on, uh, as I go through, because some of them are gonna really piss you off. Okay. Start now, from five, and let's. Okay, let's, let's, let's up first of all the criteria. Overrated mm. does not mean not good. Okay. A lot of yes, people please, please they, point that out. Yes, Derek Jeter used to be called overrated by people because they felt like, mm, you know, the, the, the guy's made like he walks on water. So some people think he does, others didn't. But that doesn't mean he wasn't good because he's going to the Hall of Fame. I was tempted to put Peyton Manning right now at this stage of his career on this mm. list. He came very close to making it. Why? Because then why didn't you, man? Because I came up with some better ones. Okay. Oh, well, I don't... Number five is my old friend uh, and uh, part of Chip Kelly's crew is, would be DeMarco Murray. Really good running back. Really good running back. God, he didn't get spitting, spitting on this guy already. No, no. I, he, might still, he might still be wearing a Cowboys T-shirt at practice. He might be running 100 for 150 yards in week two. He's a really good running back. But he didn't all of a sudden become twice as good last year. Okay? <laughs> there's, you know, there's, I'm giving you a little bit of a hard time. But uh, I do have to agree, and if anyone can look it up, I think it might be on YouTube. If someone put together um, uh, a highlight of runs made by running backs not named DeMarco Murray behind that Cowboys line last year, and it's pretty damn impressive, uh, the gaps they were able to run through. So, Listen, yeah. I'll always remember him for one thing, and he's a good kid. He was a nice guy. But the, the play in Green Bay where Julius Pepper stripped him, the only thing Adrian Peterson or even Le'Veon Bell would have hit would have been the Green Bay goalpost on that play. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, DeMarco, I'm no longer a Cowboy Murray. Uh, is number five. List. Number five. Now, the next one is where you're really going to give me a hard time. You're gonna, yeah, I'm probably going to piss you off because this is one of your mm. guys. I, I had to come up mm. with a defensive guy because the rest are offense. Number mm. four, I've got Darrell Rivas, and I'm going to tell you why. Wow. He's 30 years old. What is he on, his fourth team? So what does that tell me? I mean, if he's so great, he just keeps switching teams. The Jets, the, the Buccaneers, the Patriots, back to the Jets. Well, listen, I know of someone who is called one of the greatest at his position, one of the greatest players of all time that played for the Atlanta Falcons, played for the San Francisco 49ers, played for your lovely Cowboys, and then also played for two other, two more teams after that, the Washington Redskins and the Baltimore Ravens. We'll forget those. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know what did that say about that guy. Just he was a pretty good negotiator, loved Maybe. his money, got his money, Maybe. and that's what Revis has been about. Please tell me you got more than just the fact. No, that I think. So listen, I think he's an excellent player, and I'd love to have him on my team. I just think sometimes he's. I don't know. I th- I th- I think he's made out to be a little better. I mean, for my money, I'm still a Richard Sherman guy in that at that position. But okay, number four. Uh, well, hold on. Listen, uh, I do need to tell the audience at home. Chad Wilson does not approve this message. No way. Yeah, I know you don't. I I say I know I piss you off. Number three. What? Number three. Number three. One. Sorry, less. Matthew Stafford. Okay. Uh, Matt Stafford throws for five thousand yards every year. 
people mm-hmm. tell you how much potential the Detroit Lions have because of Matthew Stafford. But mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I don't see it. I just, I, I, I don't. I just see a guy who's a great fantasy quarterback. Hey, I could jump on that. And you know, quarterbacks are ones most likely to be making it on this list. And Matthew Stafford, since he has no hardware and has not put them in at least an NFC Championship game. Have they won a playoff game with Matthew Stafford? I don't know if they have. Not a whole lot of them. But yes, he does throw for 5K every year. I would, uh, I would support such a uh, selection to this. No, 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 no. The next one is a little bit. It took some thinking, but you, you got to hear me out on it before you poo-poo it. I didn't put him on the list, but I am going to put his brother on the list with the two trophies. I, I'm going to put Eli at number two because here's the thing. Wait, but whoa, 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 time out. Uh, I know what you're going to say, but to be overrated, don't you have to have people saying you're you're great? People but routinely this, say he sucks and just happens. But this guy is 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 supposedly, and he says he is, and asking to be the highest paid player in the NFL on this contract he has coming up. He's got an 82.4 QB rating in an era where I might get 82.4. You can't sniff a receiver without getting a flag. Guys are thrown for 90 QB ratings, guys that are average. You can't do this, Emil, what you're doing, okay? Number three on your list has all of the stats in the world that you'd love, ratings and, and touchdowns and, 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 and passing yardage, and he's on the list. But then we're going to get on the next guy for not having that stuff? He's got no, but where, where, here, here's where I'm going. Why is he viewed by many as being, quote, unquote, great? He won two Super Bowls. He didn't win two Super Bowls. The one they won 17-14, a guy caught a ball off his helmet, and they knocked the snot out of Tom Brady. Okay, They held a team that was the highest-scoring team in NFL history. The 2001 well, How about Patriots. the throw he made in the second win? Now, that's a, that's a hell of a throw. He made a throw. They won 21-17. The Patriots were one of the, if not the, highest-scoring team again in 2011. His defense held them to 17 points. Okay? He put up 21, and he put up 17 in two Super Bowls. Don't tell me that he went out there and tore somebody a new a-hole in the Super Bowl. Amon, let me ask you this question. If Matthew Stafford was the quarterback of the New York Giants in those games, do they win it? Maybe. Maybe. I'm I telling think they you. throw the ball around too much in those games and uh, give, New, give New England the ball too Chad, many times. this man has played in the league 11 seasons. Okay, mm-hmm. He started every game, matter of fact, I give him credit for that, for the last 10 years. Okay, mm-hmm. He's thrown 185 picks. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's astounding by today's You know, standard. you're a Colin Cowherd disciple, okay? You like the guy, I like the guy. There's a part in the book that you recommended to me, by the way, about interceptions and how sometimes they could be a meaningless stat. I think people need to get off of this superstar quarterback thing. Damn it, man. Phil Simms won a Super Bowl, okay? Phil Simms won a Super Bowl. All he I'm was telling not you, Dan Marino. He was not John could you Elway. Do, I'm listen, telling could you, you do worse at quarterback than Eli Manning? Absolutely. Because, again, remember the criteria at the beginning of the list doesn't mean Eli Manning's bad, but when people start tossing around the two Super Bowls, okay, Brad Johnson's got a Super Bowl, okay? Brad Johnson's got one. So does Trent Dilfer. Okay? The great Doug Williams has a Super Bowl. He hung 42 on the Broncos in 87. Man, get off of Doug, man. I want to hear who's number one on your list. Cause I well, know number one is number easy. One I think you'll approve this. Easy? Message. It's yes. easy. Okay. Oh, it was a runaway. There was a runaway, okay, for me. Huh. Huh. Colin huh. Kaepernick. I mean, to me, oh, man. this guy, this guy is so overrated. 
It's not well, even that fun. won't be the case after this year, trust me. He leads the um, league in jersey sales. Kids love this guy. The media loves this guy. He runs around kissing his biceps. This guy, I mean, I'm not even going to say he is good. I mean, I, frankly, <laughs> I tell you, every time I watch a 49er game, it just reminds me of, of a playground game when I was a kid. Oh, definitely Mr. Rowley's fifth grade class uh, when we went outside and played football. No doubt those are the plays. They're running the same plays. Yeah, this is Mr. Costanzo's gym class for me. That's what it was. You know, you'd send your friend, you'd go out up here in Pennsylvania. You you were in New York. It'd be like 20 degrees, and he'd say, hey, you guys want to go outside and play football in December? Yeah, we'd be out there. Yeah, and and you come back to the huddle and say to your quarterback, damn, man, on every one of these plays, no one's open. Why are you running around, man? Throw the goddamn ball. Yeah, I get it. I understand it. Um, you know someone who would have made my list? You know, if you're going to throw Darrell Rivas on there and shock for shock value or whatever, I'm putting Andrew Luck on this list. This guy, everyone's got him doing the, the – he's going to be doing this, that, and the other. They want to say he's one of the top five quarterbacks in the league right now. This guy has built up himself – on a falling off Houston program, which I think will come back this year, Jacksonville, and uh, I mean all of the weaklings of that, and Tennessee. Who, uh, if it wasn't for Marriott, I wouldn't know who's on that team. He's built himself up on those guys. We saw last year when he played the big boys. What happened? Got smacked around, and so, um, yeah, he falls into that. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy right good. now in 48 NFL games. He's thrown 43 picks. That's one a game almost. Pretty much, and he throws 600 times a year, so he's going to pile up some stats. I've been trying to get that across to people, but I don't know. I'm just. I'm just and he, by the way, completion that. percentage, which is important, even if you want to say, okay, Colin Cowherd, you're right. Sometimes you got to take a risk and throw some picks. And if mm-hmm. I'll give you that, he's got a 58% completion percentage in today's game. Like the standard is like 62 for coaches because seriously, just but the way the offenses are run, the amount of bubble screens that are thrown, the fact that you can't touch the receivers. I mean, hell, Romo compl- and Rogers almost threw 70% completions last year. Yeah, you are you are correct. So just helping me with my case there on on one. Oh yeah, I list. agree with but you. Yeah, Colin made my list. Deserves to be on the list. Yeah, Thank I love you. your list minus Revis. You know, good okay. job there, my friend. So um, you can pick up your check for today's show. You, you you did well for yourself. Okay, I'll be over around one. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I'll have it here ready. <laughs> I'll have it here ready for you. Well, it feels good to be back in the saddle. The kids are back at school. We're back on the air. Must mean it's football season. So we'll be back on our. Uh, regular schedule here, although, man, I'm going out of town Friday, so you and I need to talk about that. But nevertheless, uh, a regular show. I'll be back on tomorrow, and uh, Emil and I are back on at the end of this week. Stay tuned for our announcements on that. But for all of you that tuned in today and those of you jumping in on the archive version, thanks for listening. Thanks for making us a featured show on blogtalkradio.com. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your head. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and get this, 
cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs. Do it now! 